Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGens and DGenettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Eric Johansson, Stephen Cesaro, and I am Armand Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching on YouTube and follow us on the socials. And most importantly, hop in our Discord to join the community for the after party and more alfalfa. I particularly like filtered out a lot of the politics-oriented news in my life. I like try to keep it policy-focused. And uh, are you sure? This? Can I play this you game? You sure you don't want me to? It's been... Uh, I, can, I can be harsh if you want me to be harsh. Two weeks. Right. Um, I was saying like, back. I've filtered out a lot of the... Do you want to be back? Yeah. Saying, kind of. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> make sure this is an intentional decision. That's what I was... I was just checking in. Yeah. Um, That's nice. Yeah, trying to talk about like, politics too much. Or like I filtered out. You a lot guys of consume a lot of information, a lot of news, a lot of sources. But not. I try to stay. I used to listen to like uh, politics-oriented shows, like uh, um, what's the one uh, at the, at the, on Sundays? Meet the Press is oh, like on TV, or uh, no? Just it's a po- it turned into a podcast. You just listen to audio, and that's like weekly, like mainstream political topics. Oh, but I've tried to to filter those out and just hmm. stick to policy like foreign affairs, follow some policy oriented people and try to filter out the politics. But should, should we do pod po- po- political pod Rex? Do you I have mean, any good ones? Uh, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got a ton of policy really like oriented. A, do you, do I feel you, like you two listen to yeah. a lot of political I listen stuff. To a lot. I, I've, I've toned it down a lot lately I because I had zero. to fill in a void with like macro stuff that just us my doing brain. a politics segment is my, yeah, <laughs> is my politics for the week. Like um, up. I mean, like if you just want like a general where the temperature is in the, in the country, like meet the press with Chuck Todd, that's like, that's like one of the longest shows running on television. Mm. And, hmm. uh, but you get a lot of the kind of yeah, like, yeah, it never takes. occurred to me to listen to meet the press as a pod actually. Um, let's see. Uh, intelligence matters. It's a former acting director of the CIA, Michael Morell. Ooh, that, that one's like, good. That sounds like something you would love. I, I love it very much. <laughs> I try to, uh, ingest a lot of it. Um, the president's inbox is a uh, president's inbox. council on Great foreign relations. Title. And so the president's inbox is a topic. Intriguing. So they'll tip it topic. This they'll say like, right here. like Taiwan. And that'll be the episode of Taiwan. Some guy from CFR will interview an expert. It'll be 45 minutes on Taiwan. That's it. And it, and it doesn't, it's not always like a timely topic, but they're important topics of what they think the president's going to have to deal with over the next like two to four Who years. Who doesn't want to know what's in the president's inbox? It's a good headline. Um, if you're really into like politics and voting, there is a, there is a 538 politics podcast, which, you know, running up to the presidential, I, I, that one, yeah. I only listen to it seasonally. T- yeah, exactly. It's a good seasonal Two pod. times every four years. Yeah. Um, I like Fareed Zakaria, you know, like people blast CNN, but I, I do like his show. I think he's, he's mostly intellectually on honest and yeah, um, everything you've sent me by him is intriguing. Actually, I'm always a little bit surprised. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to like this guy. And then I'm like, no, that was fair ish. Yeah. And, and I like his show because he has like his own alfalfa round. He gives his take for the week and then he interviews people. So you kind of know his biases, at least uh, from the beginning. But I'd say if you want a once a week pod, there's one called The World Next Week by the Council on Foreign Relations. And they basically just chop up. But it's world world politics, world 
policies, I'd say. What is the Council of Foreign Relations? The Council on Foreign Relations is a kind of a nonprofit slash think tank. They um, raise money. They support people who research and write about topics. They produce Foreign Affairs magazine. That's who the publisher is. Um, but they also have a membership group. You're a huge fan of that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the best sources for like long-term policy decisions. They're essays. They're long essays. They're not yeah. short articles. Um, I, I pay for it. Um, it's a magazine every two months. So it's like not even that hard to, you know, take in. I bring one on every flight I go to. Like, You ever get it like kind of pulled aside about this? Uh, <laughs> hey, uh you ever get called out for the foreign never, affairs? Never. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel not. like that should be such a like strong, you know, group of I've people. I've had dreams of that. I've been like, like man, cold, it'd be really nice if like, the person next to me is like, oh, foreign just affairs sparks magazine, huh? like an amazing I, I read this episode. <laughs> yeah, I read yeah, this. Yeah, like, be nice. I would have thought. Yeah. Damn. Where are they? Where are they? Damn. All right. So you get a nice kind of like wonky. Li- I, I feel like my politics list is very... Um, it's very polarized. Like it's, it's yeah. Like you it's, just it's, like uh, you subscribe on all both sides. Yeah, like, but I don't do a lot of this down the middle like policy stuff he does. Mm-hmm. Like I have like wild like Ben, <laughs> ben Shapiro, like right. Ben Shapiro here, and like Kyle Kalinsky over here, and Jimmy Dore, and I'm just like, I, I, I it's interesting to me to hear the kind of like extremes of, of everything. Um, I've been looking for more podcasts that have like an actual like moderate or back and forth discussion. Actually, I think do you listen to breaking points? No. Breaking points is pretty good. I think with the uh, Sagar and Jetty and a uh, crystal ball who has the funniest name. Um, <laughs> I feel like she, she used to be on Bill Maher a lot back in the day. I remember her, but yeah, they're like left and right, but they're both kind of like populist in a way. So that's kind of like the, the, the grain of it. Yeah. With these wonky, like, think tank ones, you got to like take into account that this could totally be group. This is where group think happens, like in these think tanks and these nonprofits where like these kind of like academics, but also practitioners like former, um, maybe people in the executive branch or legislative branch come in, they kind of make their arguments. And, uh, I mean, I've seen president Biden write essays in there, Mike Pompeo, when he was secretary of state, like people, uh, the, the president of Taiwan, I forget her name, but she wrote a piece. Like they go there to make an argument to like the political elite, I think, but you have to keep in mind that you could certainly see group thinking there, but they try to do a good job of getting both sides in. I really miss, um, do, do you know, uh, how was it? Col- Coleman, is it Coleman Hughes? Yeah. 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 Conversations <clears throat> with Coleman used to be such a good pod and he stopped putting out episodes. What? He's got a YouTube channel. That's though, crazy. He? he was on Rogan. He should be capitalized. Yeah, he's been on a couple times. He's great. He's such a nice, like, nuanced, like, pragmatic thing. He's like a, he reminds me of a young no. Thomas Sowell. I was going to say, don't, would you consider him a young Thomas Sowell? I feel like he would like it if we said that. Yeah. Um, put words yeah. in his mouth. Um, yeah, he's good. Uh, Barry Weiss's pod is really good, actually. Have you listened to it, honestly? I've done two episodes of that. I've got it downloaded, but I haven't listened to an episode. Yeah, yeah. like, she's done some cool episodes, like, where she... She had an episode like where she's so radically moderate. She is like she had an episode where she had a like Yale law professor who was like, like in favor of abortion, but thought Roe should be overturned. And it was like a really interesting episode because he's like, it's I really fuck. Yeah. And, but it was so pragmatic. That's the one and I listened was, to. You told me. To listen yeah, to it was a great episode. They had a really good gun control one with two people on. No, um, nothing beats our gun control. Episode. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was, that was top tier. That was fiery. It was fiery. It was, fiery. It was, it was only, also followed by porn. So yeah. <laughs> 
damn. And those were the days we were doing one episode. We only got like 20 minutes. What was that one? It was like, was this the bottom? And then guns and then porn. (laughs) Great title. I loved Hoffman's reaction to that right after we got on Bankless. He's like, that's the episode you do after I introduce you to Bankless? (laughs) Fuck you guys. (laughs) Definitely planned. Well, let's let's talk a little politics. So um, there was a new new UK prime minister. A new new one. A new new one. Yeah. After the shortest uh, Boris tenure. and then the, the head of lettuce. Uh, <laughs> okay, can you guys actually tell me what happened with this lady? Because I don't know. Like, I, I mostly learned through. Um, uh, Liz Trust, like, she, she got voted as head of the Conservative Party, the Tories in, mm-hmm. in UK, and she came with a pretty, like, hardline fiscal, uh, you know, stance. We're going to get everything in control. But at the same time, she um, proposed some pretty heavy tax cuts. Um, right. And she said, we're going to lower taxes to increase growth. And we're going to get fiscally, you know, conservative. Yeah. And then when she rolled them out, they were even bigger tax cuts. And even her own party started freaking out that like, how the hell are we going to even pay for this? And then there was like flip flopping back and forth and not, not just in her party, but she started flip flopping. Mm. And then it was like, okay, there's a crisis of spiral. confidence thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, just get out. Let's just, just wipe the slate clean. Was she in for like 42 days or something? The, the reason I, I learned, the main thing I learned about her is she got a, a guaranteed 110K for the rest, 110 pounds, 10,000 oh, pounds for yeah. the rest of her life. Dude, I'll be prime minister for, for 42 days. days for yeah. 110K. Like, I'll take a few hits in the. That was the main thing that like. It's 110,000 pounds too. Those used to be worth something. Yeah, they used to. <laughs> back someday. But anyway, yeah. I think I think Rishi Sunak, the current prime minister, was kind of in. He was trying to trying to take that spot, and he didn't get quite the number of votes he needed. Um, yeah, and so anyway, but then he, he was up next. Basically, he, he, he's up next. Boris tried to put his hat in the ring. He didn't get enough of the MPs in their parliament to to vote for him. Um, I'm I'm for this. I like this move. Yeah. So, um, what are your thoughts on? It? I mean, there's there's a different couple, couple like different I, angles. On I don't it. I don't know much about this, but like in the brief amount that I read about the guy, um, it's interesting. I feel like um, he came out of nowhere, right? You know, t- I think in 2015 is like when he basically began this journey, and seven years later, he's like at the top. It's pretty wild. He's got a pretty studly. Uh, very I mean, studly. Uh, uh, Indian parents would be very proud of this That's resume and have set the, the bar thoroughbred. epically yeah. high for like, another billion people in the world. Was he like a Goldman so, Sachs guy? Yeah. Goldman Sachs oh, guy. Yeah. Oxford, married a billionaire's daughter. Oxford, then Stanford, Stanford. Then married, yeah, billionaire's daughter. Then basically became... Built, you know, I think 700 million is their family's oh, value. Indian, and Indian his parents have this guy, like, oh, there's a picture of him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the fireplace. Next to Modi, it's, it's <laughs> son, listen to me. <laughs> Be like him. <laughs> All good. Oh, <laughs> uh, I get one accent, Stephen, to your like four accents you've done. You're browner uh, than I am, yeah, so you can so do that. I should be able to do that, but I feel like you could do that good too. But yeah, um, so, so good pedigree for, for your parents, but he's also, I mean, we kind of, went over the main point is that he's a, how do, how do you say it? Indian English yeah. or Indian? He's a, yeah, he's of Indian descent, yeah. um, which is really cool. Like I think first Asian, right. First yeah. South. And then like, I think it's really cool what this does across a couple things. Like um, obviously, you know, United Kingdom has a lot of people of Indian descent, a lot of Indian immigrants. I've, I've never actually been to English. It's one of the countries that for some reason, like I've skipped over so many times. We've been in Heathrow a handful of times, but yeah. Yeah. Not actually out there. And, um, what I, what I know just from, you know, 
reading about it, understanding is there's a lot of uh, people of Indian descent. Phenomenal I think curry there. And I hear Indian yeah, food L- is like English food. It's the best it's food. so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> British food's But think awful. about what this does. Like there are so <laughs> many qualified people of some kind of Asian descent or any other descent of English. And they look at that and I think it represents something similar to like what Obama represented in America. It's a beautiful thing. It's like, whoa, hey, it's possible. The four minute mile. I can do it too. You know, it just kind of changes the perspective a little bit, but also it seems like, and we don't know the guy well enough yet. We haven't seen him in action, but it seems like he's pretty radically moderate. He's developed a, a sort of reputation for being a pretty centrist guy. And, um, it also seems that he's really crypto friendly, but he's actually like playing his cards slowly because he doesn't want to get the market too excited or I don't there, know the nuances there, there, there but he's, some he's pretty for this shatter shit. on the internet. There's a lot of people like, like complaining super, that he's a, "Quote unquote crypto bro," complaining. So, so, complaining. Okay, so he, yes, there's a lot of anti from like, the crypto, crypto community. No, no, no. Oh, from the from people, the normies. Yeah, from okay. the, the normies who hate crypto. Well, community. I mean, okay. he, here's a good point: is now we have a world leader of a you know top five developed country that's 42 years old. Imagine that. Yeah, that is he's, cool. He's like wild. he's like of our generation ish, which is he'll be able to complete his sentences. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, he can. He'll he, stay on to, that one to question start before contrast. he starts telling yeah. you about butterflies floating in the sky. Right. And actually, I joke about this, but at this point, I just saw another video. There's one like once a week, basically. Dude, I feel. Just turns around. This is. Shakes hands with the error. I the, saw some comments that were like, this is elderly abuse. And I started to think That's about it. One, yeah. And I actually think there's something to that for sure. <laughs> but he said for he's gonna sure. run again, right? He came out and said that. My ass. He was on my he ass. was on sixty minutes. He has to. He, he, what's his face? Like ask him the question. He's like, Well, you know, I can't like can't answer that right now. And like, right. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, are you or aren't you? <laughs> it was, I feel bad for him. Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's obviously it, it appears like, and again, we're like trying to diagnose somebody. Like we were trying to diagnose Kanye. That was I don't know what the hell Kanye is going through. Biden clearly is going through something as well. It looks like dementia, and that's this is almost like it's called the death process. <laughs> not really, though. No, not really. He's it's called he's the natural not, order. Of oh. see, there are plenty of people that are well high functioning into their nineties. You know, he's late 70s. If you want to look back, I mean, look back in the 80s, I think, as some of his interviews. I mean, he is lucid, clear, focused. Strong. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could make the same argument for Trump. I mean, he didn't speak so stochastically like when he, you know, in the the 80s or 90s when when Trump was. But those two are good examples of of why I think people get excited when you have a 40-something-year-old. Yeah, back to him. It's like, it's cool to see like a guy who's like just barely older than we are and like, in there running a country. And also, I don't know if this is things to come, but the conservative party in the UK is kind of round tripped to back to radically moderate. So I think they right. took power in like 2010. James Cameron was, was kind of like, he got along with Obama. Uh, David Cameron. Oh, sorry. Did I say James Cameron? Yeah. Oh, the, the director. <laughs> is that Titanic? <laughs> By the way, Avatar 2, apparently that's coming isn't know. that just the the, the avatar again <laughs> i thought they were just gonna play the same movie <laughs> what? no really i no, thought there's an actual no, avatar. I, oh I that would be funny though no <laughs> there's there's avatar avatar just just movie like Wait 10 years in the making oh yeah did they release it no but they, they did they did two and three at the same time, I think okay. when they record, when they made it, and then right. so it's going to be incredible that right? James Cameron was able to make that movie while being prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Titanic director David Cameron uh, kicked off the like uh, 
Republicans or conservative party there. And he was kind of like a socially liberal, fiscal conservative, like middle of the ground guy. Bloomberg. Yeah. And then uh, Teresa and then Brexit boat happened. They're like, well, you didn't even believe in this. So you're out. Theresa May comes in. She's kind of like the fall person because I forgot about her. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, Brexit's like an impossible thing to to make good. So she kind of like you know sacrificial lamb. And then populist Boris Johnson comes in and has a, a pretty long run. And so now we've kind of round trip back to this guy, someone uh, similar to, to was David Cameron, pro Brexit as well. He was. Yeah, I, I didn't look back at his Brexit vote. Yeah, Brexit vote. He probably, I guess you kind of need to be in order to be, you know, qualified for party leadership at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It'd be kind of weird to put him in if he wasn't. I, I guess, but I, I, I do think he'll be more like, uh, maybe like David Cameron than, um, than, uh, what's his Boris Johnson? Like, how do you know he's like a crypto bro? What's that about? I mean, he's, I read the story. Do you remember it? But I, I lost he, it. I mean, it he's like, done he a few some NFT projects. Yeah. He made something, some, Push to have like the Royal Mint do an NFT. There you go. That's what uh, it he's like commissioned or helped commission some like ex- exploratory report on a, a, a British CBDC. As far as I know, he's like very into that idea. I feel like the CBDC is just like a very European thing. I feel like they all they all need the CBDC. We talked about it in one of the episodes when I was in I was in Bitcoin. I think France. it was called Bitcoin. <laughs> funny. I feel like mm-hmm. they need Good luck. Oh, that's kind of funny actually. <laughs> I didn't get that at yeah. first, <laughs> <laughs> but he he's facing, I mean, he could also be like, a, I don't know how long he, he'll last or how he do. I, I don't think by the end of this term, if he does a good job, he's going to be very popular. I mean, they're inflate, you know, facing high inflation, yeah. low to no growth. They got, you know, a bond vig- vigilantes, like pushing them up against the wall and they got a currency that's kind of this like, isn't like Obama first term years where everyone's no. going to be very forgiving of, but, of but everything. He and, came in during the great finance in the middle of yeah. a financial crisis. So, so he's kind of coming in in those, in those times. So we'll see if, uh, yeah, how he does. I think the only thing I've seen him do is he actually, um, reinstated a ban on fracking, yes, which he, was surprising yeah. to me because I thought maybe I, I'm not familiar with yeah. like, their energy policies or whatever, but I would imagine a conservative would would not do that, especially when you're facing short term and long term energy issues. Yeah, I was I was confused by that. Yeah. So anyway, we'll we'll see how how they this seems to not develops. like energy in Europe. I guess <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we're like off base on this. That that would be good. I was reading that it was like a like their soil is not like conducive to fracking. Like if you don't have like the shale deposits, then you can't really frack. I didn't even know it was like, a, it would just like a, destroy stuff and like not get any results. I don't know. And that's, what I, okay. that's what I read. Cause I saw yeah. the headline and I was like, that made me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe TV determined. We'll, we'll dig into that. Some yeah, more, there's but. always some like deeper truth to this, like in those political commercials where it's like, Nick Urbani voted against funding for orphans <laughs> without legs. <laughs> Why did he do that? What a terrible guy. He's just like, no, and then you, then you hear it's, it was, it's something. please spin that to be a positive somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Forrest Gump. New leg. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, congrats to our British friends yeah. for getting congrats. somebody who is, you know, not pasty white and under the age of 90. That's I'm, pretty, I'm, that's I great. hope that uh, this plays out well for crypto. Um, yeah. I think that. But like, That'll be interesting. Young it could blood. serve as an example of like how other countries may follow suit. Yeah. It I I think could generally. Pioneer. 
Yeah, they're, I hopefully bring some serious policy because like they've been equally as embarrassed as we have been embarrassed about our political process. Like that that whole you know turn turnstile of a prime ministership has been kind it's of a weird thing to embarrassing watch from thing yeah. for for I think if, if we are citizens of. If you think about how um, crypto is seen like globally, there's been examples of governments that have done really positive things with crypto and regulation and taxes and how they perceive it and the language they use towards it. But they're often like very small countries that are not really driving the global economy. United Kingdom is in a position, I think, depending on how they play this, to, to be that pioneer that the United States is not being. We clearly are not the drivers of innovation in this department. I think that now this guy has an opportunity to do something that could actually be very significant for how the world views crypto. How it regulates it. How it, all of the above. I can't wait to see how this guy performs in those PM questionings, you know, when they, when they get in the, the house, the, the parliament or whatever, and he's up and they're just yelling <laughs> yeah, at each other. Sure. And the, the guy with the like white long the hair wig. wig is saying, I want to go into that. Order. I think that's one of the funniest, <laughs> craziest things that that still exists. Like on his third day in job, he's, people are screaming at him. He's screaming back. And I'm like, what is this? Like, Dude, how cool is that? That they still do it that way. Yeah. Like it's we, very we nostalgic. Have that here. Like, no. The guns would literally come out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there would be at least one Texas congressman. You ever seen the the videos of this is like the different version, but like some African nation and they just start annihilating each other. (laughs) (laughs) The guy with a cane. No, straight up. Like you've never seen the ones where it's like 200 guys and it's just a absolute sly. You should find this and post. This is show notes worthy in their parliament. Literally, I'm talking about politicians in a room, like 100 to 200 of them. And they just literally get into a brawl, like the kind of brawl (laughs) that you would see in like high school. Like that kind of level of brawl. Where did like you in the, go to high school? Sack, do you mean like town. a- 200 people just brawling? <laughs> you mean I like a some... 200 people brawling, like say in like a <laughs> national capital building? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, that would be crazy if that happened. Yeah, here. yeah. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I see what you did Well there. played there. Right. That was more of a one way. That wasn't a yeah, brawl. That wasn't a brawl. I agree. Um, well, should we should we bring the focus back domestic should, and yeah. uh, talk bring, a little- uh, Yeah, we're doing some- political stuff we're going to continue on the political front i like so. to live in global you know yeah i think we we is have a good? a good portion of yeah, our you're welcome is, world we have a strong Southwest. european contingency alfalfa contingency absolutely i think it's about 20 percent. i think it's valuable because like you get kind of focused in your u.s focused but like uh yeah. I, I like all the uh perspectives in the discord that we had a czech czech republic friend who came into that discord live uh it was very cool remember that steven I do. I was yeah. there. I was literally talking to him. Yes. <laughs> My memory's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, now he's pushing back. Yeah. At, yeah, well, that was not a dig at your memory. I haven't had enough spritzes yet. Oh. <laughs> okay, bring it home. Yeah, Let's all right. So, so we got midterms up uh, in a few weeks. So, um, you know, just as a reminder, uh, we have the, the Senate and the House up for grabs. In the House, all 435 seats are are up for grabs. Like they have two year two year terms, and and the House of Representatives only a third of the Senate is up for grabs. They have six year terms. Um, the Democrats have have uh, held the the House and the Senate for the last two years, so they've they've had a well. I should take that back. In the Senate, it's a 50 50 tie, but Kamala Harris as vice president is the tiebreaker. So technically, they have majority. And, uh, you know, they've had two years to push the agenda forward. It's argued that maybe they haven't gotten as much done as, as they would have liked. Cause, uh, as we talked about, I think on, uh, 
an old Armand Asadi flow podcast that Joe Manchin would be one of the most talked about centrists because he would hold a lot of the power. And that's certainly um, come true as a central Democrat. So as of right now, I'm looking at the 538 stats. Uh, it's a dead heat for the Senate uh, of, of which which party will like maintain control. 45, right? It's yeah. Like so basically 54 out of uh, 40,000 simulations, uh, Democrats uh, take the majority in 54 of them. And that's the model, right? Because the polls seem to always skew left, but I think they, they adjust for that, right? They certainly adjusted uh, <laughs> since 2016. I don't know if they adjusted enough, but uh, yeah, they took a big whipping for their uh, forecasting. Poor Nate. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Republicans are, are favored to, to win the house, uh, eight and 80% of the simulations. Um, and, and historically, like when you have like a uh, one party, take the white house, the opposite party typically yeah. takes back quite a few seats, um, in the midterms. Right. Cause it's like, yeah. a. I mean, I remember Obama got absolutely normal? wrecked in his first. Term. Totally. I mean, yeah. he actually did a speech where he was like basically saying we got our ass kicked and he was like, it hurts. Cause you know, basically these were my policies that was, and that was like the rise of the tea party. Right. I'm at the tea party. I do. I do. Some people thought those were the crazy ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember the, remember the extremists? <laughs> these extreme guys want to pay no yeah. taxes. That's so extreme. Now we got, they were the uh, far, far end, man. It just keeps getting, that was pre QAnon. Oh, that was way before QAnon. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if Q existed during Obama? Oh my God. I don't even, they they the pushed out some like core Republicans like uh, uh, what was it House Speaker Ryan eventually like got exited out of there. He was a pretty middle of the road guy. Um, he was he then. loved balancing budgets. Wow, what a what a phenomenal concept. <laughs> um, all right, so anyway, uh, let's talk about the House real quick. So if, if Republicans do win, uh, Kevin McCarthy, he's the majority leader. He becomes uh, he takes Nancy Pelosi speak becomes Speaker of the House. And so if he comes, there's talk that like he's going to introduce bills on the economy and border security. He's going to like shut down things like access to abortion, climate change, stricter gun control. So those things are going to be like off the table. Also, like uh, things like oversight and investigations, that January 6th thing, if Republicans take the House, there's quite they're still loyal to Trump. I imagine that will get just shut down. Um, and more importantly, there's a pending subpoena for Trump to, to testify to the panel. And I'm sure his legal strategy is to just wait to hope they win. The midterms, and then they'll likely cancel that. Does he have to obey that? Well, I think they issued speech? it right after uh, what's his name, his like uh, one of his uh, buddies that was in in the White House with him got four months for evading a subpoena. Yeah, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but anyway, that just came down, and then two days later they issued the subpoena. So they showed the teeth of like if you don't follow the subpoena, and then they issued it, and they told him you need to show up. I think it was like November second, you know conspicuously before mm. these, these midterms happen. So I think he'll just delay and hopefully it, it goes away. Um, Smart. but there'll, there'll be a lot more heated discussions about basic operations like debt ceiling, funding the government, things like that. Um, in, in the Senate, it's currently a 50, 50 split. I think if they win, if any party wins a margin it's not going to be big. So, um, yeah, basically they're just going to put more political pressure on, on Biden to get anything done still probably even more investigations and oversight. Usually the second half of like a presidential term is just like riddled with, you know, investigations and oversight. You mean his second part of his term is going to be useless? (laughs) Yeah. Even more useless than the first. What the hell did he, did he do anything? Like honestly asking for a friend, it had control of the entire government, right? So get the infrastructure bill, which is 
that's sort of like a pared down version of what it used to be before, right? Yeah, he, he passed um, but, more COVID, you know, relief. Like That's right. He did dump a few trillion more into the economy. That was great. Good job. But um, what, yeah, like what do they, what do he do? He kind of, I don't know what presidents do anymore. I mean, it's just, this whole thing has just been He pulled us out, out of Afghanistan. I mean, I, I'm not saying these are accomplishments. I'm just saying these are like, <laughs> these, are, these are facts of what, what yeah, that happened. One, that one was kind of a bit of a tragedy, man. And he's like, you know people. what? We don't really have any good wars Started going on. A war. We yeah. could stick into. He, uh, yeah, we had to get a new war rolled out <laughs> yeah. after we got rid of the other Decriminalized marijuana in yeah. a retroactive basis. In a, in a way that didn't actually decriminalize anything. Really. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway. Democrats are campaigning on abortion uh, because of the Roe v. Mm-hmm. Wade overturning. They probably should have like that'll that'll work well. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I don't want to sound pessimistic about humanity, but I, I I do think they they like this this topic unsolved because it allow it's one of the easiest things hmm. to fundraise on and and campaign on. Of course, on. they do. Yeah. Why haven't we talked about that before? I mean, Maybe we oh, mentioned it. Let's in the talk episode. about that. I talked. I mean, Obama yeah. said, "Hey, one of the things I I'm going this. to do when I get into office is we're going to codify Roe v. Wade into law." Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't do it because when he got in, he just wasn't a priority. Like when he campaigns, is a priority. Wasn't a priority, or it was intentionally left out because of what you just said. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's it. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm going to touch real quick on uh, Republicans are obviously like pushing on economy inflation, they'll probably stick with that. Um, but, but back to, uh, the abortion thing, um, there's 36 governors up for, up for pick. And that is important for abortion because now we're essentially deferring to States to, to say, what should your state's law be? And so those things are being fought out on abortion. And, you know, if, if you believe this is even an issue like election verify, yeah, election fraud, you know, like the secretary of state's position in each of these states is actually um, a pretty big uh, thing to, to look at, even though we usually ignored because there's a lot of funding going into from election deniers to try to, you know, modify the rules ahead of another presidential election. So these secretary of state positions, they're the they're the, the, le- the official who oversees the elections. So, yeah, you know. There's a lot of power plays, I'm sure, so going off local so the, level. The the D's are running on culture, and the the R's are running on economics. What what a fat you know what we, what a novel concept. I think we know how that's yeah. going to go, <laughs> yeah. though. I don't know. Like they're like I feel like Bill Clinton ran on the economy, worked pretty well for him. Yep. I, I I don't know. It seems like the the Democrats are focused on culture because they they just don't have anything else. Like what is their what is their economic argument? What is their foreign policy argument? Like they've like abandoned completely torched foreign policy, whether or not yeah. you think it's their fault, like foreign policy has been completely torched. The economy is not great for most of inflation. We don't have to go down this. Everybody knows it. Right. Um But th- there's so many areas they could tackle that that kind of intermingle with each other. Like one I would love to hear either party go about is like legal immigration. Mm-hmm. So specifically H one B visas. There is like a massive amount of applicants compared to the number that the U.S. lets in, and so these are typically very high qualified candidates. Those are the people we want in the country. Yeah, exactly. They have to apply. They have to say these are my skills. If we don't take them, somebody else will. Yeah, and the only don't way they like start a business and then hire people to that, like, that's one. That's another type that's of visa one. where they okay. they could come and they have to put a certain amount of capital in a business and start a company. This is the genius visa, basically. Yeah, this is like you know every big company saying we don't have the the type of human capital to do this type of physics 
work or science work or math work, but we found a perfectly good candidate who can. We've interviewed him. We want him. We're willing to sponsor this person. And this person's willing to say, like, I will commit to this job for a long period of time because if, if they leave that job, they lose their visa and go home. Um, and so that the amount of those openings has uh, significantly gone down pre-COVID. And COVID was a reason why we're not going to let in anymore. But I think it would be a great policy to significantly increase the amount of applicants we would accept. Because if you look at inflation, one of the, the structural inflation issues is, is labor. And, and specifically like a shortage of labor and shortage of particular types of labor. So that, the H-1B visa would be a great, I think, on either party to, to go. And then uh, have you guys heard of the Jones Act before? Um, it's just like really weird thing where like if you want to use waterways to move goods in the country, you have to use an American-made boat that uses American oil. Hell Yeah with an American captain. Goddamn right you do. Yeah. And so you have like these, like we have like San Francisco. It sounds like it was made in like 1892. It was, I think, I think it's like a hundred year old, like type of legislation. And you have like these, these parts of our country, which are really good. Like the San Francisco Bay, the Gulf of Gulf of Mexico, you have the Northeast, which, um, you know, waterways and you know, tr- we have to ship stuff via trucks, which is really fucking expensive. But there's also this thing we've been blessed with in America, which is like a ton of waterways that could actually move goods in a cheaper way. And also, you know, if we're going to bring manufacturing home, it'd probably be smart to like loosen those things. It's just uh, Democrats get in trouble with it because um, unions hold a pretty tight uh, hold on those, those like port workers and things like that. So, you know, modifying the Jones Act to, to say, hey, we're going to allow non-American uh, vessels to transport. It could be a way to like invest in ports, invest in manufacturing around those ports, um, and also relieve some of the structural inflation we might face over the 10 years when you kind of allow more jobs and, and goods to move you know, cheaper uh, across the country. So those are, those are things I feel like is like drastically missing from the conversation, but it's pretty obvious. It's, it's like sad that people can't run on that. Like obvious stuff. I don't know if you could explain the Jones act in like a 16 second. Commercial. Yeah. And, and, how, and that doesn't sell. Doesn't what does that do? It doesn't move people. Right. Don't give a shit. Like no, going to vote on that babies. Yeah. What sells you is know. like, these people are going to turn you into the handmaid's tale. And people are like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, okay. Like that, it, that's all well and good until you, you're paying $15 a gallon at the pump. And you're like, wait a minute, how did I get here? It's like, oh, cause you selected all of your politicians on the basis of some like cultural fear campaign on both sides, I might add. But like you said, there's the immigration thing just drives me crazy. It's like the most obvious duh thing we should do. Yeah. We should we just import like all the geniuses of the world into the country. Yeah. It seems like a good idea. Yeah. Especially when we have like structural labor shortages because at the same time to, to satisfy everyone, we say, okay, we're going to reinforce border security, like really clamp down on illegal immigration. But at the same time, we're going to increase legal immigration. So you can kind of get both sides on, on board with it. It's just these, these unions. And I think we've talked, we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but we've talked about how public sector unions are one of the worst thing, public sector union monopolies, I guess, uh, on labor for public sector areas is is a terrible thing for the country. So what's an example oh, of that? Um, I mean, you could talk about police forces, the right? Cali- like California State Teachers Union, teachers, one of the um, most like port, Long Beach port like, it, workers, it's ridiculous. Like we're we're all beholden to them. And granted, like their union representatives are just working towards their self interest. But when you look in the whole, 
you're sacrificing it to, to the whole of like- it's, it's not so much the fact that they exist. It's the fact that they are allowed to basically take taxpayer dollars and then like lobby politicians with it. And just creates this obvious corrupt bargain that is funded by the taxpayers themselves. It, it, it makes no sense. It, and like the results aren't great. Like nobody sits around and goes, you know what's so awesome about California? The public schools. Right. And, and whenever you look at a governorship or like a, I think it's called secretary of education for the, the state of California. But whenever you look at those, the first thing you have to look at is like, is there a teacher's union behind them? Cause then it tells you literally 90% of what you need to know about that candidate. And so, and they have their, their footholds and everything. And, and, and so, yeah, it's just troublesome when they can wield around so much power uh, in the political process, but also so much money. Um, and it's not like we can, we can offer a competing alternative. It's not like we could be like, well, we don't like the, the police force labor union in Baltimore. So we're just going to replace them with a different police force. Like you, you can't do that. Or, or like uh, port workers in, in long beach. Like we, you can't do that. I mean, so, um, yeah, maybe we should talk about that in depth at, at some point. Cause I think it, it, it hurts a lot of the stuff we would like to move forward. That seem <clears throat> seem common sense. Yeah. Can I, can you guys hold a safe space for me for a moment? Oh, can no. You? Oh, damn it. I like, I like you pre-wiring us. I'm going to go this. get a drink while you do that. So <laughs> oh, the space it. is safe. No, no, come ahead. on, Steven, make it safe for me. You're going to, you, I, I want I'm you. no longer in front of the mic. It's oh, safe. okay. <laughs> you know, how am I supposed to continue? You just walk away from the conversation. I'm listening to you. <laughs> okay, good. I, for those that didn't hear that, he just yelled, I'm listening to you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have a moment and just get cynical. And I, I think it's going to come out every like seven politics episodes. Cause it's just honestly, like at the root of it all, this is how I feel. It's, it's really challenging. You know, at the end of the day, like the only way things get done in the world is through politics. It is the system of governance in which like anything can be accomplished. If what you're saying is true, which I think it is, that certain issues that are highly emotional, that move people, are reserved and unsolved intentionally because that is what enables their political party to use as a as almost like in a, a manip in a manipulative way to source their energy, to get the vote, to take the power, to stay in control, to get the money. And of course, when you look at it, I, mean, I said the comment earlier, I was like, yeah, because people are distracted quote, you know, not really distracted. They're forced to care about the most important thing, which is babies. They're like, okay, this abortion thing is unsolved. So I have these two choices and they're both giving me emotional reasons why one is right over the other. And I am inclined to believe one is right over the other because of my environment, the, you know, or my upbringing or the beliefs that I developed for myself. And so of course there's no space for, really important policy matters because when you're forced to choose between two devils, you have to pick the lesser of two evils. And so if one is saying we're going to, you know, we're going to redefine what, when life begins and the other is saying, we're going to let you kill babies. And the other's like, Oh, but the babies, that's a real baby. You get lost in those details and you're forced to pay attention to that because it's, it's almost like higher up on the hierarchy of needs as a human being to get that resolved. And so really where I land when I think about all of that is just like the whole thing, every seven episodes, and this is the one exposure I get to politics is like, it's a fucking game. It's a game. It's an ancient game and it's been the game forever. And it always in a way will be, but it's ultimately just such a um, 
challenging way to get anything done. Nothing really happens that looks like real progress to the degree that it could be if we were incentivized to actually solve the problems and take care of the people that we represent. And I'm speaking as if I was a politician. That isn't the job. That isn't what happens ever. It's just like maintenance and earning power, maintaining power and accumulating dollars and sucking those dollars out of the system to the degree at which is most possible in the in the most corrupt way that keeps you out of jail, but in the least corrupt way. Yeah, like, I mean- It's just corruption all a, around. A, a main, like the politician's first job is to stay in office and to get reelected. That is the only thing that cares about. It's literally the equivalent of surviving to, to them, right? And so in, in order to do that, they have to do two things. They have to raise a fuck ton of money and they have to be extreme. And so if you look at the raising money, it takes a lot of money to win elections. So that's one area. Yeah. And then being extreme, like with gerrymandering and non-ranked choice voting, you you kind of have to be in these extremes to win, you know, especially in, in Congress. What a waste though. And so like Isn't that bothering those you guys? three things the waste me. of capital. The waste of capital that goes just toward the election process alone. Yeah. Millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars for each of these. Like it's a hard problem though. Like there's some countries in the world where they have publicly funded elections and they're like a shit show because anybody can run and then people use the platforms to do all sorts of but we, weird crap and it creates like a ton of noise. So that's not a perfect system. We also campaign either three, four years before the election happens, which is why it probably costs so much money. In other, yeah. in some European countries, they're like two week period for campaigning and then we vote. And, and being a representative is like a joke, right? Like you're in office for what your terms two two years. Your term's two years, so and if you're, you're a freshman, your, your little job is cold calling. You get put in a room, and your job is to raise money for the party. And people think that like AOC is a all-star and a, and a leader in the Democratic Party because of her policies, but she actually just she raises just a, a fuck ton of money. Badass cold caller. She, she raises money. That. She's a rainmaker. Like She brings in that. money for the Democratic Party, and that's why she mm. has should, a seat at the table. I, I think there should just be more representatives. Like, why don't we just have 10,000 people in the house? And then everybody is represented by a district of like 2,000 people. I think he's onto something. And you don't have to run all the time because everybody just knows you. You're just like, hey, it's me. I'm doing my thing over there. And then and then Nancy can't like wrangle up 5,001 people to all vote the same way because there's just too much cattle. And then you just, you just decentralize and then perhaps, everything. Yeah. And you vote on the more important. You have the opportunity to vote on the more important matters. Because if you have like a smaller class, it's like an analogy of like a classroom size. They, your representative would work more closely with you, develop more of a relationship. They're hearing your voice. There's only 2,000 of you. So they're like, I have a understanding of my of my community at a deeper level than would be possible. I, I still feel like we should just delegate people. I, st- I still feel like you should just have direct democracy and you should just vote on everything. And if you don't want to vote on everything, you should just delegate your vote to like delegate. And if your delegate sucks, you just delegate your vote. Why do you have to wait for like six years to, to change the thing? It just like enables so much corruption. Like both systems suck. I like one system take- you run all the time, you don't do anything. And the other system, you're just, it's just like a tiny pool who is just like absolute power and you can never get them out because they're so powerful. Like they're, I want the other extreme. I want, I want, I want it where people don't have the right to vote. They have to earn the right to vote. I want what I mentioned on that episode that Socrates came up with. That's what I would want. I, I think it's an interesting question whether or not I don't think should people have should the right have the vote. right to vote. I think that only certain people, you gotta, you gotta, like I made the same analogy last time, you gotta take a test to be able to drive a car. 
You don't have to take any fucking test to vote how democracy or government looks. That's crazy. You have to have a certain type of brain, the ability to understand the well, policy. These tests were used in the past to like disenfranchise people, though. They absolutely should could be. Yeah, they could be used that way for sure. I mean, I think it's crazy that you have uh, four hundred thirty-five house seats up for grabs, and like only a handful of them are actually content, like heated battles, and it's because gerrymandering. Like they literally draw the lines of the district so that there's only Republicans or only Democrats. And right. the, the, the politicians that win in those are the most extreme because you have to capture, you know, you have to mm-hmm. be the most Republican or the most Democrat to win. Where if you could somehow ungerrymander and redraw the lines where there was like 50, 50, well then the person with the most reasonable policies would actually win right. and maybe ranked choice voting would be ideal in that scenario too. The money out of politics one's tough to, tough to, um, Solve. I've talked about it before on this podcast, but like, if you want a good primer on it, uh, Lawrence Lessig has a book. I think it's called uh, Republic Lost or Lost Republic. What's he up to these days? How's- I don't know. I haven't heard him. But but by the way, he's the one who created like you know Creative Commons, and and we talked about yeah. CC Zero. Oh, really? Like he he's he's the founder. Okay. Um, also, great presentation style that uh, <laughs> I, I I definitely stole uh, really? from his uh, pre- his uh, teachings at I think Stanford. Mm-hmm. He would do this. Uh, presentation slide where it was a slide every like two seconds. Oh yeah. And so you'd have have like a 15 minute speech with 200 slides and for the ADD student, it's perfect. Yeah. Just totally tunes them in. Yeah. Yeah. Eric and I, uh, won a, uh, another group, uh, won a students in free enterprise, uh, presentation purely off salesmanship off the presentation (laughs) using the Lawrence Lessig method. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You guys got wooed them with the slides. You haven't mentioned this before. A certificate, a plaque of some kind. Like, <laughs> we do. Yeah, I bet. We brought home the hardware. Right. Yeah, that's right. We did bring the hardware. <laughs> the trophy. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Last thing I'll say about uh, our little politics episode. There's another thing that's kind of up for grabs. Uh, marijuana could be legal in half the states. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, five states uh, that are going to vote on legal marijuana. So that's Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North and South Dakota. So we're starting to get into these like yeah. red Whoa. states that are actually voting on this. Maryland's going to allow it for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's currently 19 states and then D.C. So if all of them vote yes, then you have 25 states plus D.C. that uh, have legal marijuana. Do you find it a little bit Bro. sad that this is like the stuff everybody talks about for like progress these days in the states? Like we made drugs legal. all the states for <laughs> legalizing drugs in. And it's like, uh, that's fine. But I think it's more important than you think. Uh, is it? I think so. Is it more important than the immigration? Is it more important than like the schools? No, is it maybe not. No, like, if you want to like rank it, it's got to be like, have to sit and really prioritize. I feel like if we but put all the policies important. there, it'd be like wouldn't crowd top 100. I think the reason it's important, like quick version is that it shapes the way people think and it also shapes behavior. So it's like, again, back to that, uh, uh, was it this episode, previous episode, look at a culture and see the drugs, the chemicals that it consumes a, a society that smokes cannabis and drinks less alcohol. Interesting. I would like to see what that looks like. An example of that would be where I just came from the Netherlands. Interesting, pretty high functioning, egalitarian society. There's very low corruption. The things they complain about are very small, but they're big to them. That was very interesting. It's like, you know, it's all relative, right? The, the issues there are big to them. But when they explained them to me, it was like, Oh my God. Like that's what you guys are dealing with. It's like Nick's dream. They're dealing with like these really important 
like, but, but specific policy matters. How are we managing our water? Because that affects like our future. How are we, um, treating new, there was another thing that came out recently. It's like, uh, I was looking into it from a religious perspective. Like there, are they a religious country? Most people are not now. They're literally discussing how to treat religious people to make sure that they don't lose sight of the fact that that's an integral part of a lot of people's lives in their country that are Protestant or Catholic or whatever they might be. Really interesting stuff. So it's like, yeah, I think it can shape society. I, I think it's fine. Like, I don't have any problem with states legalizing weed, but it's just like, I just feel like as a society, we should be doing such like more grandiose stuff and solving sure bigger should. problems. And it just, everything feels like very like, like end cycle society to me. Every, we're worried about drugs and sexuality and the color of people's skins. It's just all this bullshit. And then everything seems so how do you to change be like that? sort of, how decaying. do you get policies or more important matters being discussed? Long, long, on? long form content like this, yeah. this, this is, but, the how only do you, but how do you get it actually moving into, not just into the psyche of of the people, but how do you get it moving into like political action? Hardship, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Hardship. It, it, it's it's that. What, what's that quote? Like you know, it, difficult times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. It's just like a cycle. I don't think yeah. there's anything we can do to make it. I kind of think everything just does decay. And then there has to be a generation that grows up around the decay and sort of rejects it. it and they're like, what, what the is going wrong? Yeah. But I don't know. What are you going to do? Like mass explain to everybody, all this stuff. It, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I, and I, I don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm bullish on America, but like we are in a large rut right now, like mm-hmm. an, an enormous rut from what I can see. And yet better off than most. Yeah. Because we like have, great geography and we get the entire world to just subsidize us with the, the dollar system. Yeah. Because we're weak men and we created bad times. <laughs> <laughs> Millennial weeks. Oh, man. But I, I do think like the, the more that uh, the population consumes longer form content and stops watching full circle back to where we started, things like meet the press where it's just literally political operatives and political hacks just taking the party line up on this like weekly Wait, stage. So you know, you tell me to not watch Meet the Press now. Well, I'm just saying, if you want an overview of where <laughs> the political operatives are angling, oh, their so you watch it just to for the angle. Oh. What angle are they taking? It's oh, not it's like very act- meta. Okay. It's not actual. Okay, like, I, I get it now. When you when you suggested that, I was like, really? I mean, you can literally see how they're positioning. You're themselves. like observing chimpanzees in the zoo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what Meet the Press <laughs> is for. They literally bring in both sides of the chimpanzee huh. world to say like. <laughs> So how are you gonna how are you gonna basically talk down to us about this issue? Um, but but the more I think distributed the amount of content comes, like if there was like ten thousand podcasts like this, and most people, you know, even if they pick their own little groups, you know, and stop watching Talking Heads on CNN and mm-hmm. MSNBC and Fox, and got they their information already, that way, and it will only continue. Right. So I think that's one one thing to be hopeful. This is for. modern media, for sure. Yeah. So uh, uh, next time ne- Armand says something, I'm just going to do the meet the press thing. <laughs> He's going to be like, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be like, Armand, the American people don't <laughs> yeah. like dead babies. <laughs> you, always, you always just throw the American. Oh, the American yeah. people aren't stupid like you're telling. The, the American people. That is a good little <laughs> shtick that is often used. They just do it all. Like, yeah. They have the, like, the little notebook of shticks that yeah. they do. Notebook of shticks, exactly. You should Political hear when you, when you get these like politicians off, off, off the record, like they learn about 
media handling more than anything. The first thing they learn is don't answer the question. Exactly. Right? I was just going to lead there. Like <laughs> the first rule about getting interviewed on these is, is don't answer the question. Just say what your main point that you want to get across yeah, in there. Driving it. Like, that's yeah. a good point about inflation. Anyway, yeah. immigration so is press a, training yeah. is just that too. That's it is. Well, I tell you, yeah. it's really inflating the numbers of people coming across the border into El Paso right Perfect. now. Perfect. Oh wow, yeah. you're you're prime. You're ready. you're ready, baby. Thank you, Senate seat, please. <laughs> yeah. You know who does answer the question? Stephen's favorite person, Jordan Peterson. Oh God. All right, we're gonna have to end this before it yeah. ravels. Uh, I did control. it mostly so they could make that joke. Right. Yeah, and just close the episode. I thought you were gonna say Trump. Just he answered hot. questions. Yeah, he does. Kinda. Not my well, favorite person, but he answered questions. Uh, lo- most people believe he didn't answer the question. He I would know, use words direct. that were People were like, <laughs> yes, that he said inflammatory <laughs> things, but a lot of times he would just skirt around the actual question. And he would just bulldoze people. He would just like, eh, like move on. Oh, Actually, I, Biden I feel like doesn't I disagree- answer questions anymore. Biden can't understand words. I can't disagree with that. All right. This is one of our uh, focused politics. Like I usually like to talk about policy, but we talk about more about politics. I don't know. In the Discord, let us know. Yay or nay. Um, midterms only comes around every two years, so if you hate it, you just uh, got through this. I look forward to our midterm, midterm recap uh, episode. Now. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There might be another one coming in your We face. didn't even talk about the guy running with a stroke against the former guy who sold I tried not diet to. pills on, on <laughs> liars. <laughs> I heard Kanye's running, by the way. Yeah. He probably thinks he is. Yeah. Um, Rectum from our Discord community came up with a slogan for it. Make Kanye, Kanye again, 2024. Like go away from yay? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Just Mm. wouldn't it be make Kanye Kanye again? He's irrelevant now. He's poor. Yeah, he's not a billionaire anymore. Oh, he de-billionized. By the way, well done Adidas. I guess a lot of people were upset that it took took them too long. But that's like eight percent of their fucking global revenue. Big, so I imagine it took decision. a few days to make that decision. They're yeah. just in the boardroom. Like, can we actually wrap with that really quick? With this is just quick, Kanye. Of course we can. It's your show. No, it's your show. <laughs> this is your show too, baby. It's our so show. So, like, no, I was texting with a friend about this, and he was like, "I'm legitimately trying to understand Kanye." This is a very smart friend of mine. Like, he was like, he gives everyone like a chance. He's just like, I'm really trying to understand. And then you know, I was like, "Hey, man, I tried to like." He's gone. Like, he's just, You're it's just, like, it's gone. You see that man taking a crap on the sidewalk right there? That's not that That's different. That, not that different. He's clearly in the middle of like some kind of manic episode and uh, needs help badly. Did, did, did you listen to the Lex interview, by the yes. way? I haven't. I haven't. It was kind of hard to listen to. It was, the whole uh, thing, the, it was the It was the first episode I've ever heard where Lex like fought with it. He's usually like, love yeah, and yeah. peace. And I think I understand what you're saying. And the answer is that we need more love. Mm-hmm. It's just like everything is just love. And then, then Kanye is like, you know, there's the Jews. And then Lex is like, well, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it got like really out there. Yeah. I mean, he's everywhere right now. He'll go anywhere. He'll go anywhere that will give him a platform. And um, I think it's it's not good to give him a platform. But it, Would but you Lex, give him a platform on no. Alpha? platform no. he could have, though. Right. No. Like Lex did a good if, job. If Kanye, he wasn't like exploiting. If Kanye him. called tomorrow and said, I, I, I'd like to be on, I'd say no. I would say I yes. Would, I would we, would all, we would yeah. tie you to the wall. I would for We're sure bring him I think it's abusive. <laughs> we would finally sign the operating agreement and then vote again. There's no we, would lure, we would lure you into <laughs> a room. Okay, I'll have a conversation with in. him if it would be me aggressively telling him that the things that he's saying that I disagree with are wrong. It would be a very combative conversation. That would be useful. I just love like- well, the, I'm just telling the, you how I would be. The joke's on him. If he said something about Jews, I would annihilate him. 
I just, annihilate him. I'm not even kidding right now. The fact that people just go like, oh, I don't know about that. Or like, I, I, far, I forget another one. It was just like the, the response was like, he was like, well, that kind of offends me. You know, that's offensive. Why would you say that? Kanye? Lex. No, the fucking answer would be like, bro, shut your mouth. Well, you this can't is talk why about Lex like says Kanye and we don't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so thanks. I love the, the jokes on him. Apparently Adidas can sell all of his designer lines still the same and just change the name. It's not like he has like hmm. proprietary to that design. On the designs. Yeah. They're probably like finally like on the second day of deliberation, the general counsel is like looking at the agreement and is like, Oh wait, we can just sell these same things he designed and then well, change just, the name and we still just like, as rich. Yeah. Hey, well, the designs are wonder. heinous. They're only, yeah. they're only selling because they're Kanye. I have a yeah. friend who shall not be named, who you all know, who has those Crocs. And whenever he rolls up to, you know who you are, uh, to to uh, pickleball wearing them, it's <laughs> like the biggest travesty. And I, I know, like, apparently the Zoomers like it. Apparently he wants to be a Zoomer. He's not a Zoomer. He wants a Zoomer girl. Sly, do, do, do you wear those Crocs? No. <laughs> Sly doesn't wear those Crocs. People wear those things... In- because it's just purely it's just a Kanye. Giant troll. I think they're getting no, trolled, and no, they think they are tr- getting trolled. They are getting trolled. I agree with that. All it is is like Kanye trying to be this like fashion savant. He's not. And really, what's going on is that he has such a control over the culture that they will do anything. They will up until now. I think that has changed now with it, with this episode that he go, went through. But they would do anything, anything, buy anything that he puts out. It doesn't matter. Immediately pre-sold, gone because it's cool. People want to be cool. That's it. It's that simple. I think they he's, want to, they want I think he's like, uh, I think cool. he's getting deeper ingrained and ingratiated with a certain, a, a lesser with percentage, a, certain. a lower percentage of the population. But like, yeah. it's like Trump, yet it's like he speaks very clearly and loudly to 45% instead of, you know, being yeah. Kanye who was like loved by everybody. Yeah. Well, this is what I wanted to end with about Kanye is like, or the point about Kanye. Um, people like people kept asking, like, did he cross the line? You know, I am, we've talked about this many times. Well, from a perspective of like, I want him to be able to say, like, if he was sitting here and we were talking and he said something ridiculous, I'd, I'd slap, I'd smack back. I'd be like, yo, you know, like generally speaking as a human being, bro, you don't talk like that, but that's the discussion that human beings have. Did he do something wrong from a perspective of censorship where we need to draw the line and deplatform him? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think the answer is, if from a legal speech perspective, he crossed the line, then yes, there should be repercussions. But beyond that, I think he should be free to say what he wants to say. And we need to deal with that. Society needs to deal with that. But the right response is instead of deplatforming somebody, instead of taking away their finance, you know, their, their, their ability to, to say what they want to say freely, what you do is you take away the thing that gave him the platform in the fucking first place, attention. You stop giving him attention. You take his deals away from him, like what Adidas did. You stop buying his shit. You make him irrelevant. And what is happening right now is that that pie of people that cared about Kanye and what he did is shrinking, as Eric said. And so that's good because he's losing money. And that's how people vote. They vote with their dollars. They vote with their attention. Those are the two currencies that we have that we give people. So if you ask me, the right thing is happening, which is that everything that was good in his life, all these things are being taken away from him. And what he really needs to do is go take a really hard look at his life and, and get some help. Yeah, a few more media cycles, he'll he'll be out of it. Can I have heard <laughs> on Sure, yeah, that was the point I want to hear. I don't necessarily think that Adidas should not drop Kanye. They, they definitely should. Um, I actually think what, what Lex did is the best thing. I think like if you really want to, 
make the world better. And the way to make the world better is you take this person with a gigantic platform and you have them go like, oh shit, maybe I fucked up. The way to do that isn't to sort of like persecute them and drive them into a corner and be like, see, it is them versus me. And then you just get this like, I, I think what Lex did was pretty good. He, yeah, he didn't get angry, but he was just like, yo, come on, man. Like, when you see that's hurtful. But did Kanye change his tune at all? I felt like he did, honestly, during the interview. Like, I felt like when I was listening to it, he was kind of being like, mm. I, I, I heard some like, uh, like little snippets that made me think there was like some introspection going on, wow. which I don't usually I get. I don't didn't see any introspection, but maybe I, I didn't, I didn't look at every, I don't get me wrong. I think it was hard. Maybe it's not an immediate to. change either. Maybe it takes a while for him to process and sit on it and chew on. But it. I think it's how like we should treat each other in general, instead of being like, no, you're evil. Let's all dunk on you. Let's all cancel you. It's like drive you in your corner. And then we just do, like only in response like, hey. to him doing it in the moment. I'm not saying he should be punished or canceled. So that's that's different. I don't think he should be canceled. But you said in you would way. interview him, and you'd be like, I said if he said something disrespectful and wrong and racist, I'd be like, bro, that's fucking racist. Why would you say that? But that's I what think I said the Lex approach is better. Well, I'm not Lex Friedman. I'm Armand Asadi. And if someone says something stupid about Jewish people, I'd be like, bro, that's stupid. If one of you did, I would too. What, what, uh, that's just me. That's what, what but you can say that to me because I'm your friend. And when, like, when we're friends, like, your friends can be like, dude, yeah, that friends was say the worst shit to each other, dude. Like, just- fine, but like, I really believe there is, there is no celebrity that's gone on shows that's done something like that. If you, if we had a guest on that said something ridiculous that was racist, you'd say something too. You'd, you'd be like, whoa, I'm not saying not to say something. Lex said something. Yeah. Yeah, He he, was, he was very clearly like, you guys are arguing about style and uh, your style is to be more confrontational, direct. Lex's style is to be a little bit more like lovely. I think the Lex, I think, I I agree with Steven. Style is effective. If we want to really make the world better and we really want actually change people and not just use them as a thing to dunk on, to make ourselves look better. Cause we're dunking on this poor guy with mental problems. You know, I wouldn't even dunk on him. That's why I wouldn't want to like sit and have that conversation. That's what I, that was my initial It's like, you give him that platform. You either have to, you have to disagree with him and dunk on him, or you got to do the loving approach. Like Lex, if you have the, mm. you know, the, the patience for that. Yeah. Like, that's why I said, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even bother. I mean, that's very big of you. I would, I would really want the clicks. <laughs> um, but I would just that, feels, you know. that feels like using him. It oh, feels, I would definitely be using. I would him. use yeah. him. I, I'm not. I'm not like trying to stand on a moral like high ground. I'm definitely but not. I, I believe that this is a person that is going through an extremely difficult mental episode that needs help. I don't want to use somebody like that. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think that's the. Crux I think of we what could interview at. him and then not. <laughs> We're not going to get him on the show. So let's yeah, just not with on. that attitude. <laughs> no, this is, um, this is, we're just d- discussing. I'm tired of it. <laughs> why do you, why do you just all of a sudden, why it was just oh, discussing man. it. Eric's just, tired of Kanye. Okay. It's also 4am for him in uh, yeah. European time. It's That's already right. like a, an hour plus on this episode. All right. Let's wrap it up. Well, on that note, let's uh, <laughs> vote, vote alfalfa in the, in the midterms. And uh, yeah. We'll see you next month. Alfalfa 2024. Yes, I like that. Wait, what year is it? It's 2022, but we'll be 2024. Yeah, close enough. All right. Cheers. (laughs) Adios. Adios.